better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Kyle, are you believing that Jadavion Clowney is going to sign with the team this early in the process? Visiting I couldn't the even believe he Browns? took a visit. Right. Like, why? We know you're going to sign in July, the end of July. <laughs> he has three sacks if, over the last two seasons. And if he does sign with somebody, what's he signing for? You think he shows up for less than $10 million? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, he might have to if he wants to play this year based on just, like, how the last two seasons have gone for him. But, like, he's going to hold out as long as he can, and nobody's got the money to spend right now. They have yes. the money to spend, but everybody's kind of apprehensive to spend the money right now. Need a little cash for your draft class? Need some cash for in-season signings? So, yeah. What, do you think they were going to offer you a percentage stake in ownership of the team? Like, come <laughs> on. JD. I think the Browns would be a good team for him to go to. Be a great team for him to go to. T.Y. Hilton got one year $10 million. T.Y. Hilton got the same amount of money that Will Fuller got. How? Good question. Good for him. <laughs> good, good money if you can get it. I was a little surprised when I saw that money. I think I, saw, I, think I saw the split that he had the last four weeks of the season was really good, so <laughs> – Going off of that, the Colts between – I really like Chris Bell, but the, the Devin Funches contract and now this one, a little, little weird. Little Their weird. wide receiver makeup is interesting, right? They have guys who can do a little bit of everything. It's like T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, and in the same room, you've got Michael Pittman. you got Devin Funches – back when that signing was happened. So, like, they are not afraid to specialize within their wide receiver room. And some same, teams are very much like that, and start to, some teams are not like that at all. Same thing at running back, where they'll have Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, uh, John Taylor. Like, they definitely like those complementary skill sets, which I, I like that idea. But today, we are going to talk about the interior defensive line class for the 2021 NFL draft. And there's not a lot of great buzz about this group. Pretty underwhelming collectively. There's nobody that I think either of us value as a first-round prospect. I think if you look at the, the rankings on the draftnetwork.com, we might have one or two in the top 50. I think the highest is at 38 overall. Uh, yeah, two in the top 50. The highest is 38 overall. We've got like six total in the top 100. So there's not a lot of premier talent, but the task that Kyle and I have today here on the podcast is to find the positives within this group, because you know what? It's very easy to watch football players and come with, come up with a list of all the things that they can't do and why they can't be good in the NFL and why they're not good players. But that's not what we're doing today. We're going to find the positives within this group of defensive tackles talk about what they can do and what roles these guys can fill for NFL teams. It's going to be a little challenging, but that's the task at hand today. 
This is 2017 all over again. You remember that draft class? You remember that defensive tackle class? Like Malik McDowell was the big name? Malik McDowell was the first off the board. He went 35th overall. Your next defensive tackle was 55, and he was actually the best one in the class probably, Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, okay. Larry Ogunjobi. Okay. First pick in the third round. Eddie Vanderdoes. Oh, boy. Montrevious Adams. Oh, boy. Nas Jones, Nasir Jones mm. from North Carolina. Jaleel Johnson from Iowa, he can 109. Dance. Really good dancer. Could uh, catch the ball, too. We saw him yeah. in the senior ball catching ball yeah. one-handed. Uh, Ryan Glasgow okay. uh, from Michigan went to Cincinnati, 138. Carlos Watkins, another good one, yeah. 142 to the Houston Texans. Uh, Grover Stewart, 144. Okay, okay. It's good value there. Devon Godshell, 178. Okay. Caleb Brantley, 185. Tanzel what? Smart, 189. Vincent Taylor, 194. DJ Jones. DJ Jones, nice little player there. Yeah, there we go. but nobody was talking about DJ Jones before the draft. I like this tape. I might have had a good tweet out there about DJ Jones. He's like 6'1", though, right? Six foot 320 right. or something. Brother, that, that's it. That's the list. Yeah. The names I didn't mention was like Isaac Rochelle, Joey Ivy, Elijah Qualls. That's it. That was the drafted class of 2017. And that we say that to say this, we found a couple good football players. But ironically enough, may have turned out to be something to do with their fits with the teams that they go to that helped the ones that did have success become successful. I think Dalvin Tomlinson would have had success in a number of different schemes, but landing spot matters. So we are going to try to find the right ranges with landing spots for the right players who can actually make an impact because this is a really underwhelming group when you look at it from top to bottom. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. We've been telling you about Bilt Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Bilt Bar is the amazing low-calorie, Low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. And now, folks, it is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and they're having a tournament with all the flavors to find out which one is the best. And today's matchup is Mint Brownie versus Coconut Puff. And I'm not a big fan of either one of these flavors, but my wife loves the Mint Brownie. So that's my vote. Kyle, I'm guessing you're in on Mint Brownie here today. That's correct. All right. So if you want to vote, head on over to BuiltBar.com or find Built Bar on Twitter to vote for your choice 
And remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, so let's dig into this class. I think we both have Levi on Wuzuriki from Washington as number one on our boards. Our respective boards? Well, he is on mine. He is on the consensus board. Do yeah, you also I'm have just his... pulling up to confirm. I yeah. was just looking at the consensus ranking. Survey says yes, that's correct. Uh, marginally, but yes, that is, that is correct. So what I like about Levi is I think he's got a reasonably sound pass rushing skill set. And you really saw this at the senior bowl. He didn't, you know, he didn't, I don't think he played in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, right? Opted out. Yeah. So he, so he goes to the senior bowl and you saw him shake off the rush really quick. And I thought he was the most challenging for the offensive lineman there to stay square in you know, block in pass protection. So I like the quickness. I like the pass rushing acumen. And I think he's stout enough to go with that to get me interested as a penetration style three technique. So he's the guy that I think is the headliner in the class that can really provide some in interior gap shooting ability. So he came out to senior bowl and he kicked butt on Tuesday and then said, yep, box checked. I took care of business. I still got it. So, um, he really surprised me. And Washington played him out of position a ton. Washington played him head up on the center. And it's like, dude, almost like what Houston did with Ed Oliver to a certain degree. I don't know if you would agree with yeah. that sentiment or not. But it was like watching him. And it was a blessing in that it, it – taught him and showcased him stacking blocks and reading blocks and disengaging off of blocks. But it's like, I wanted to see you just go, you know, be given the chance to just hunt because when you get into a penetration mindset, you really see a lot of flash and splash with him early on. And it's pretty exciting. So uh, I think there's some untapped potential here with Levi. Um, but as somebody who didn't play in 2020, as somebody who, only engaged in the one practice in Mobile this past year. Um, and as somebody who's a little bit undersized, I don't think he's going to be for everybody in that regard. And unless you run a true penetration front with four men, man down as your base defense, like Levi, I don't think even the demand for him. And I think you're going to also see teams kind of play chicken with each other. And like, how late can we go before this run starts? So <laughs> That's true. Certainly not pushing for first round draft. You know, maybe we'll see Christian Barmore, who we're not quite so high on, and maybe that's the transition we want to make, get drafted in the first round. But I like Levi as a better player. It's just he's not going to be for everybody. You mentioned his role at Washington. And as we've worked through several cross checks now and, and I've seen more pack 12 and more big 12. I've noticed a lot of drop eight and you're getting these three man rushes in, uh, in the case of Levi on, on Wuzurike, on the nose, on the nose. <laughs> he's got three guys. He's got three guys that are blocking him. And it's, it's this like, man, this is just not a great showcase. The Washington state tape. I'm like, how long is it going to take for me to get a useful rep here? 
was, it was tough. But um, you mentioned Christian Barmore from, from Alabama. And I think if you were to put together the, the 15 best plays of all the interior defensive linemen, those 15 from Christian Barmore are incredible. And, and I think that's where you have to focus. Like, cause the high level moments are really, really, really exciting. And I love the way that this guy, when he gets to the edges of blocks, his ability to corner and get around him, like you don't really see that type of flexibility from a guy that's six, five, three, ten. but Barmore gives you that. And he's got, he's got that juice about him that when it shows up, he can be really, really dominant. He just needs to, A, I think get, get a little bit of a fire lit underneath him. I think whatever coach he gets, if they have a really high-energy position coach, defensive line coach, I think that'll help him a lot. Um, but he needs to approach plays with the same level of urgency uh, every single time. Because physically speaking, he is the most physically gifted interior defensive lineman in this year's class. As far as prototypical size, twitch off the ball. We've seen Alabama have these guys that they, they are just capable of physically dominating. Think about the recent pedigree in the last five years or ten years from Alabama, from John Allen to Quinn and Williams. They've got dudes every single year. And, and I do think something that is interesting with Barmore is I think about Raekwon Davis leaving Alabama after having a really good sophomore season and then kind of plateauing and you know, then going to Miami and being asked to do something a little different. And from Barmore's perspective, I'll be interested to see in what what kind of front he lands in and what things they may ask him to do differently versus Alabama. Alabama has a, a you know, attack place on the, the defensive line uh, to, to really make splash plays happen. Does Barmore go into that kind of role full time? Does he go into more odd front single gap? Like there, there are landing spot factors here, Joe. And I guess I would lead with, I would end with a question of what style of play for a prospect like Barmore coming out of a defense that is so high level, has so many layers to it, you know, has so many different things that they can ask their defensive linemen to do. If he goes into a system that asks him to specialize in a certain kind of mentality, what's the one that's going to move the needle the most? I'd like to see him on a team that rotates a lot, that really believes in having waves up front and and I want him to I want him to penetrate I, I want to unleash the quickness and the flexibility that he has and put him in situations where we need you to be explosive and attack what I don't want is Christian Barmore uh peeking in the backfield trying to defend multiple gaps uh you know being in an obvious run situations where you know he's has to hold at the point like I, I don't want that stuff from, from Barmore. I want to unleash his athleticism. Do you think some of that can be explained with Alabama and their defense with well, how multiple they are? And like we, yeah. we talk about his, his tape and how it was up and down and, and the flashes versus the consistency. And, you know, I just think about how much 
Saban asks those guys to do. And it's like, there's a part of me that feels like, you know, he, on a week to week basis, they, they probably had reps and in game to game and like game situation stuff, they probably had reps where it's like, you're taking him completely away from his strengths to, to read and key. And, you know, everything that they do is, is so complicated like NFL level, but that's the concern is, okay, so is he not going to fit in every NFL defense because it might be too complex? Well, yeah, that's going to be a problem for Barmore and just the, are people going to buy in? And some people do, right? There's people that are in on Barmore, top 25 type player in the class for them and more power to you. But I think when you, you consider the, (laughs) the layers to this and, and, the challenge that I see of him being universally accepted as this, you know, I think it's going to lead to some variance across the league and how he's perceived. A funny story real quick on on Barmore, and then we can move on. So with our scouting staff meetings, a lot of the stuff that we do with the mock draft simulator, predictive ranking stems from – uh, our meetings and we have conversations about players within our regions and, and Jordan Reed had Alabama this past year talking about Barmore in the summer and hey, he hasn't played a lot, but he's kind of the next guy in line. And then you, you <laughs> yeah. flip him on, you watch me like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like super physically gifted. So you put him in like the top 40. He's kind of like a fringe first round guy. And then it's like October, right? It's like the end of October. And we have like an update meeting <laughs> on the predictive board at Jordan's Lake. Yeah, things aren't going well this season for Christian Barmore. You should probably move down a little bit. So we moved down a little bit, and, and then we get to the end of the season, and we have another update meeting, and Jordan's like, yeah, Barmore really failed it in the second half of the season. He flipped the switch on, so it's time to move back up. So it, it's been quite a journey for Christian Barmore at this point. And it's been a journey, w- w- like you said, just kind of watching Jordan Reed talk through that with us, you know? Just kind of having to be right. up and down with it. It's it, it right. was fun because he did he set the bar high and I totally get it. You know, he it was dude. I think this is that next guy at Alabama. And if you watch those flashes from nineteen, you're like, damn right he is. And then, well, he gets a chance to play more, and more inconsistency shows up. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball. And NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Kyle, we've only covered two players, so it's, it's, it's time to maybe rip through some here. Well, in, in... I think these were the most, two most important players to have sure. nuanced conversations on. So that's sure. the good news. That's the good news. All right, well, uh, who's your IDL2? My IDL2 is Barmore. Not mine. Is Tyler Shelvin yours? No. No, Togiai? No, he's not either. Too, no, it's not too fatal. Milton. Oh, because you're Evan Williams. Because you're counting him as an IDL. Yeah. 
Milton, he's 285 pounds. Even if he does play edge, he's going to play edge in like an odd front. Okay. Well, if he, if I'm scoring him as an IDL, his Put final grade for Put me. Put him in there. Oh, where the heck is he? Uh, he gave him a 79, right? 79. Yeah. So he would be. Is that for recall? He'd be third. Okay. We, so let's talk. You want to talk Milton Williams? Yeah. Go ahead. I set the stage. Uh, he's for the your first player. He's know, your player. I, okay. So Milton Williams um, played at Louisiana Tech. Obviously, his, his testing numbers have been eye opening. Uh, as he's had his pro day recently. And he's been a productive player at Louisiana Tech uh, over the last couple seasons, 104 tackles, 19 for loss, 10 sacks. And um, you think about the way he was played primarily as a five technique. Uh, A lot of times over the nose, he'd be working out of a four-point stance. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the best role for him to really showcase that athleticism. But when he got a chance to be an attack style player, you saw the juice and the, and the upper body twitch and the powerful hands and, you know, his ability to be disruptive and wreak havoc up front. And I think that meshes well with the testing numbers that we've seen come out. And um, he's an ascending player. Like, he was a pretty good player for the, the first little bit he was at Louisiana Tech, but he really turned it on this past season. And I thought on tape, like, at least the way he played at that level of competition – he was absolutely dominant, and I would say his tape was was really, really high level for all of the circumstances that we have to consider. But, you know, I, I think about a lot of teams using guys inside-outside. You know, maybe you play early early downs, you play on the edge, and, you know, long and late downs, passing situations, you kick inside. I like that versatility for, for a team that wants to be multiple up front and use their guys up and down the formation. So there's, there's a lot to like about Williams couple names that come to mind here uh mario edwards jr from florida Good. state yeah like that one right yeah um you, you'd hope the ceiling is a little higher uh for williams but at the same time we're talking about probably uh, he's going to be a day two prospect i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the second round after at 284 he ran four six Jumped 37 and a half, 38 inches. Like, just surreal testing from him. And uh, doing that at 284 was really impressive, and it kind of prompted me to to fast-track him into the the cross-check process where I'm like, Joe, like, I just watched a couple games of this guy. I'm moving him up. We got to cross-check him like ASAP. And then – so we we were not first on the Milton Williams bandwagon, but after the pro day, it prompted us to watch him and put him under the microscope. We really, really, really liked him. So um, I think he is somebody who inside, outside, as you mentioned, Joe, and just the, the concern with him is going to be his length. He's 31 and a half inch arms for length, uh, which is problematic, but he shows enough pop and power in his hands, and he shows enough awareness. I think that probably typecasts him more, more inside uh, instead of on the edge uh, where you're more close quarters. You could take guys on square uh, and then utilize – he has really good hand engagement skills to be able to play off of things and, and get himself clear. So that will cap his ceiling a little bit, but I think – there's a lot of meat on the bone for Milton Williams as far as what he's asked to do at the next level that can make him an exciting player in an aggressive front. You want to get into these Big Ten guys, Togi I from Ohio State and Nixon from Iowa? 
you just want me to set the table on some guys, and I'm totally cool with it. Totally cool with it. I respect <laughs> it. I respect it. I respect the hustle trying to get a break here. So, Tommy Togiai, uh, junior, six foot two, 300 pounds from Ohio State. Uh, gives you really good value as a run defender. Uh, he's built like a bowling ball and plays like a bowling ball. You watch the Clemson game from this past year and just watch him crashing through, pinballing off guys on the inside, picking off pullers, getting upfield, and making a mess of things. Because he's so low to the ground, six foot two, I really like his anchor skills. I really like his redirection skills. You think about some of these six foot six guys when they try and stick their foot in the ground and come back across their momentum. Togia is so much more condensed based just on his natural build that it allows him to, to have that success. I don't think he's super dynamic, uh, but he is a super tryhard, blue collar motor, uh, and that really flashes on his tape as well. I think his best fit for me is in an even front, so four down lineman as uh, the A-gap defender, you know, playing tilted one, on the nose. Uh, if you're going to play him in an odd front, I think you have to play him in the B-gap. You know, he's not somebody I want taking on double teams with a great deal of frequency because for as good as he's leveraged, he's 300 pounds. So the valuation for me is capped a little bit because I don't think he gives you a lot of substance on third downs. If you're bringing an extra pass rusher on the field, he's probably going to be the first player that gets called off the field. But I, you know, here's a comp. I didn't have this one, but I just thought of this one. You ready? Sure. Devon Godshall. Yeah, I think I like that from the perspective of he's not a massive big body guy, that, but you like him playing kind of, you know, like as a shape. So, yes. Stout, you know, stout football player. And, and there is enough, there is enough juice there that he can get into the backfield and cause some problems. So, yeah, I, I think that is a, a very reasonable comp. And um, I think we see him very similarly. I was surprised that he didn't have more production because when I always watch the tape and then I go back and look and see the production. And I was expecting to see a lot more in tackles for loss and sacks because I felt like he was in positions to, to be, you know, to make those plays in, in the exposures that I had. So, like you said, I think he's really solid across the board. I don't know that he has any one trump card, but. I think he's definitely a rotational, a rotational caliber player for a four-three defense. Man, I just, I just got another comp. All right, I, how I do my my comps is I, I have a player who I think it is, and then I go to mock draftable and I just kind of check like their physical <laughs> profile to make sure it yeah. checks out. And if it doesn't check out, you know, it has to be a fit from like a, a style of play perspective first, and then. Mm-hmm. If the physical profiles don't match, it's like, well, well, shoot. You're welcome, right. Chris. What do I need to change about the, the physical profile? Here's a name. 2017 class. Do you remember this interior defensive lineman from Illinois in 2017? Great name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I talked about him all the time. What the heck was his name? Yeah. Oh, what does it begin with? What's the first letter of the first name? The initials are CC. I don't think you're going to get it, but you're going to get it. Oh, he has such a cool nickname. Yeah. Say it. (laughs) Chunky Clements. Yes, (laughs) Chunky. That's right. I knew he had an amazing name. Man's name is Chunky, and he's only 301 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, only 301 pounds. 
by football standards, it's a different world, right? Oh, there you go. So that's uh, yeah, a little chunky Clements reference on today's show. Just uh, as everybody expected, they were going to get. So, Davion Nixon, on the other hand, take all the things that you said about Christian Barmore, and they are very much relevant for Davion Nixon as well. He was a frustrating watch, and I remember. I think it was Dane Brugler of The Athletic like kind of kick-started the, the interest on him. And then everybody in the midst of hoping and praying to find like a quality interior defensive lineman mm-hmm. in this year's class, just he went to the moon like the, the Doge stock, right? Chris, is that a good reference? It's Doge coin, not Doge, Doge stock. Coin. So six out of ten, but yes, it was a good reference. Okay, so yeah, Nixon went to the moon and then – he made a U-turn on the, on the dark side of the moon and came right back down to earth when everybody got a bigger sample size and was like, ah, okay. Yeah. False alarm. Uh, he projects as a three technique to me. He's 6'3", 305 pounds. Really good spring out of his step. And when he wants to coil and attack and get upfield, he can do so in a hurry, and he will play through lateral contact. So he has the quickness to get hip to hip with you really early on in reps, and then he has the contact balance to play through that as you try and recover against him and push into the, the mesh point. But he's a JUCO transfer. Uh, this was his third year in Iowa, but his first year of really making this level of an impact to put himself on the radar as an NFL draft prospect. But you watch him game to game, and even possession to possession and you get Jekyll and Hyde over and over and over and over again, you'll see him just completely bull rush and embarrass a guard on second and 10, just as an example. And then it's fourth and one or third and one in a short yardage situation. And he's eight yards off the ball, getting driven off the ball after the whistle. So it's like, how do, we, how do we bottle what you clearly have to work with? But the low points for him are really alarming, and it has me apprehensive to play him early on. And it's like, I get it. Like, you were a JUCO transfer. You didn't really play a whole lot your first two seasons before stepping into a big-time role in, in year three as a redshirt junior. But how high do you draft just those traits when, like, you're going to ride the roller coaster with him a lot if you ask him to play early, in my opinion. Yeah, he's got really quick feet, but inconsistency, getting off contact. I know we're supposed to be talking positives here, but if you're looking for a guy with some penetration upside, there's some really high moments on Nixon's tape. So can we, real quick, can we review where we have these guys graded? Yeah. Uh, before we get into, like, Tyler Shelvin, we have to talk about Tyler. Of course. We have to. We're morally, we're contractually obligated to talk about Todd on the show. So, uh, do you want to do individual ranks or do you want to do a consensus board? I think consensus. It, it, it's a wider net. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll save the, those head to heads for Battle of the Boards next month. Yeah. You know what just triggered in my mind when you made that graphic uh, for Battle of the Boards and it was Game of Thrones? Yeah. Whose body was I on my head? Sam. Sam? Yeah. We I'm were, told- it was Jon Snow and, and Sam. And you got Jon Snow and I got Sam. Yeah. 
Gotta be honest with you, Joe. This feels like something you should have taken up last year, not before. This we was like three years ago. Okay, yeah. So you- I know this is before I was first on Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah, he didn't even know. Like, he didn't know who the characters were when we when I did it. No, I didn't. It, it was fun, Chris. We'll have to see if we could find like a royalty free spinoff of the theme song. I'll see <laughs> what I can day. do. Yeah. Yeah, royalty free spinoff. Okay. Yeah. That's like the spoof, like somebody, wheelhouse. like some some kid playing it on a recorder. Oh, that's good. Maybe you can hum it. No, there it is. No, just Absolutely. put that on loop. So Kyle anyway, Levi and Wuzuriki. He's our top-rated consensus player. He's thirty-eighth on the TDN consensus board as things currently stand. Christian Barmore is number two. Joe, no one has pushed. Christian Barmore. We had a couple players come close this week, but nobody has pushed Christian Barmore from the 49th spot on the consensus board. So that's good. Uh, As I look at, I'm actually going to use the spreadsheet that we have in the back, Joe, because Davion Nixon and Tommy Togiai have dropped the spot on the consensus board. Uh, So Tommy Togiai, we had, uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker from Kentucky, we cross-checked this week, and we do the updates on the weekends. Uh, he's moved up. Jamin Davis jumped up to 56th on the consensus board, so Tommy Togia is now 59th in our consensus rankings. Uh, Davion Nixon, 61st. Milton Williams, 62nd. So you can kind of see the trend developing here. Tyler Shelvin is 76th as things currently stand, and we'll probably – have some players continue to threaten and challenge him because uh, Shelvin, 76th on the board, he has a mid-third-round grade from us. And uh, there are a number of players we have yet to cross-check who are carrying second and and third-round grades in evaluation. So Shelvin will be a top 100 player for us, but I don't know, you know, in a doomsday scenario for him, he may get passed by another 20 guys before it's all said and done. Yeah, but I think it'll be top 100. So let's talk Tyler. 362 pounds, 6'3", 362, and he moves well for that size. And I think it's easy to classify him as a run stuffer, right? A nose guy, you play Mm -hmm. over the center, uh, that type of player. But it's not just that he's that. Like, I think that paints somewhat of a picture. But what Tyler Shelvin does in that role is literally everything you want to see. A guy that's comfortable taking on blocks and, and occupying space and being his 111th and understanding his run fit and, and just what to do and how to respond and processing blocks and where he's supposed to be and his role, right? Like, it's one thing to say, okay, you're a run stuffer, but to embrace everything that that means is what you see within Tyler Shelvin, a very unselfish player. And I really appreciate that about him. And no, you're not going to look at this guy as, as, a, as somebody that's going to get to the edges of blocks and you know hit these dynamic pass rush moves and, and create all this pressure on the quarterback. But he's an absolute load when he does dial up that bull rush to push that depth of the pocket. And you know what, when you can do that, when you can take away those step-up opportunities for that quarterback, it does a lot for your edge defenders because – that <laughs> that quarterback nowhere to go. he's nowhere to go he's a sitting duck so you know sometimes we it's like a what was the word it's like um it's a criticism of a player that you know that they're a pocket pusher but when you're a really good pocket pusher 
it helps your pass rush. So I like the package here. You love the motor that he plays with. And, um, I mean, he's really dominant in the things that he does. So let me ask you this. From a valuation perspective, we all know Tyler's best work is going to come in short yardage, red zone, and first and second down, running situations. He, as a guy who's 360 pounds, is probably not going to get drafted above any of the other names that we've mentioned thus far. Is that correct? Oh, pro- probably. I agree with probably. that. Probably. Yeah. He will have a better career than probably half of the names that we've mentioned above him, in my opinion. At least. I mean, yeah, I think that's fair. It's, he is a cleaner projection, in my opinion, than the vast majority. It's just what he does is no longer romanticized. It's a lot of dirty work. Uh, it's a low snap percentage and volume. He doesn't have the ceiling of a Vita Vea. Right, he's not as dynamic as what Vita Vea is, but and that that's where Vita Vea ends up getting drafted in the first round. Is he has pass rush upside? He's this brilliant dancing bear with a magnificent first step, and just he's grizzly bear that mauls centers. Uh, Tyler's not dynamic enough, in my opinion, to take a similar path that would set him up for success to be a more high volume player and play on third downs more frequently, but. As far as like his value in the run game, I think he as a run defender can be every bit as good as what Vita Vea is as an A-gap defender on the inside against the run. I think that's a great way to put it. When you put him in a vacuum and you take away the valuation of his role, but you grade him against how good he is at doing what he does, it's the top, right? Like it's, it's premier ability to be a no tackle, play over the center, and defend the run. Like, he's as good at doing that as whatever Jalen Waddle is at winning vertically down the field. Right. It's just it's, a different valuation. It's just a very low evaluation of him as a player. Yeah. yeah. So, comps. You got any comps? For Shelvin? Yeah. Well, geez, I always got to see what I put down. I got one I kind of like. Oh, Remember Paul Soliai? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, – I don't like He played a long time. I think he was a good player. That's probably fair. You know, and he was 345. And that's the challenge. It's like, how the yeah. hell do you come up with a cop that's 362? Like, I, I have Brandon Williams down uh, on the, uh, the website, so. Okay. I mean, I, that's how highly I think of his run-stopping ability. Yeah, he is a stalwart against the run. And for me personally, I, I understand that there's a positional value thing here that, that has to be accounted for. Uh, but Shelvin, for me, is IDL4. And I haven't rated above two of the names that we've discussed. Uh, just because what he does, he does at a very, very high level. Would you agree with this? Talking about the USC defensive lineman, mm-hmm. would you agree that Jay Tufele is discount Levi Anwuzarike, and Marlon Tui Polutu is discount Tomi Tagiai. I definitely agree with Marlon and Tommy. Uh, Tufele okay. is discount Levi Anwuzarike. 
you're a little higher on Tufeli than I am. I think that's I mean, I'm not maybe super high on him. I, had a se- I have a 79 on him. I have, so I have a third round green three and a half. Okay, so okay. We're, we're different. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are different. We're focusing on positives. So. Tufeli didn't have a good pro day, did he? He just, they just had theirs the other day. I know Jordan Reed had the numbers, but I don't, I don't have them handy. Um, my other producer is currently – here you go. <laughs> yep. 6021, okay. 305 pounds, five flat on the 40, 30 in the vert, eight, nine in the broad, three cone of 7.8 seconds. That's high. Short shuttle of 4.88. And bench press 30 reps. It's kind of what I thought he would have, right? It's not terrible. The the agilities are what are throwing me off of discount Levi. Hey, that's why Levi doesn't have that problem. Listen, JC Horn did showed you what you do there. DK Metcalf needed to do the JC Horn thing. Just jump and run and and say, forget the rest of it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. The one thing I cared about with Horn was the agilities. I don't think you, I don't think you have the luxury of doing that when your J2 Feli is a mid-round prospect. All right, yeah, but I had to yeah. find a, a way to get my DK uh, Horn talking point in today. So I'm glad you you found a way to finesse it. Any any parting thoughts? Aleem McNeil, North Carolina State. Check him out. He's fun. Carlo Kemp. I'll give you Carlo Kemp from Michigan as okay. another undersized, fun name to watch. I got a, a mid to late day three grade on him, but he's one of those guys that, you know, if we're looking for like the DJ Jones type, you come back in a couple of years and be like, man, I can't believe this guy was yeah. drafted at the end of the sixth round. Like Carlo Kemp would be somebody I would earmark to watch. So there you have it. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert in an anonymous role on today's show, but looking handsome as always as we record this morning. So appreciate your time, Chris. Bravo. And we appreciate all of you who tune in and listen to the show. We have one more podcast this week. We also have a live stream tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, YouTube, The Draft Network. Make sure you come check it out. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope to talk to you again soon.